I need a word, I just need a word Feeling like the day is full of stuff I don't deserve I just need a word, one word Because I know that the world changes Hey everyone, it's Antoinette, the founder of The Word Changes, the fashion brand that motivates one word at a time. This recording is of me and my brother talking stocks. You know, a friend of mine, she had a couple of questions, so I decided to pose them to my brother, who I refer to him as the family Einstein. You ask him any question, he knows the answer. Um, he's really into stocks. So we recorded this chat this week, and then I thought maybe other people would be interested in hearing it. So here it is for you. Just a disclaimer, this is not advice. Even though he may use the word recommendation in here, it is not <laughs> a recommendation. I don't want anyone to say, oh, they said that I should buy this stock, and I did, and I lost money. You know, stocks are risky. But um, this is a time where the stock market is down. And if you're interested in getting into it, you can listen to this chat and, you know, do your research and see if getting into stocks is something for you. So um, enjoy. And I hope you get some information from this. It's very, very basic. Beginner, beginner. Um, so if you're anyone like me that doesn't know much about stocks, then this will be a recording to kind of give you that introduction to the stock market. Enjoy. In terms of the first question, if you had $1,000, what type of ETFs would I suggest someone to invest in? I would suggest to invest in the... Um, S&P 500 um, index or an index ETF. So what's the reason that? why is yeah, it's, it's a broad range of stocks. It's basically what the whole market's based on. So when you hear the market's down a thousand dollars or 300, it's because of the Dow, the Dow, what is that? I think it's the Dow 30. So it's like 30, 30 of the best stocks in the market they base a portion of the economy on. So when you hear the markets down like the last few days, a thousand points or something, it's because those 30 companies are being sold aggressively. So if you, so I would again tell somebody to look into the S&P 500 because it's 500 stocks. It's less volatile in regards to the regular market and it's a better gauge of the general populace because it's 500 stocks instead of 30. So you your, volu your, your volume is kind of down. I don't know. Can you hear it better? Uh, still kind of like cloudy kind of or muffled a little. Can you use your phone speakerphone just direct? Yeah, Can you hear me better now? Yeah, that's much better. That's much better. Yeah, All so right. so again, the 
500. So the S&P 500 is a broader range of stocks, less volatile and much easier for a beginner to feel to me comfortable and doesn't have to panic again if they hear the market goes down a thousand points or something because with those type of drops it's a smaller amount of stocks it's again the dow jones industrial stocks um so what so okay if i had some money and i put it in this S&P 500, am I splitting it up myself or is it automatically no, doing it? It's automatic. Again, you have no say. You're just investing in the 500. Um, best companies, both large and small caps. Mm -hmm. Um. And again, how I would suggest it to an individual is use it as like a stepping stone until they get comfortable. So mm -hmm. again, even though they're only going, even though they're investing a thousand dollars, I wouldn't just leave it at a thousand. I would keep adding to it. Mm -hmm. And once they reach maybe a five or ten thousand dollar position, then they could probably look out. And maybe venture into single stocks. Mm. Um, but again, that's until they get comfortable and start understanding the stock market a little bit better. Right. So when they, so how do they, like what company or what, how do they even get to the S&P 500? Like how do they find where that is? Well, the three companies that I would recommend to most Beginning investors would be like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, or TD Ameritrade. They're pretty good for a beginning investor. And right now, most brokerage firms don't charge a commission. So a person, again, can trade without having to pay a $9.99 transaction fee every time they buy or sell so again their thousand dollars is totally going into buying a thousand dollars of the s p 500 the only thing um i would suggest is is to stay with um what they call the spider because that's the s p stock that everybody gauges their their version of the S&P 500. There are many companies out there that have their own version and they tweak it ever so slightly. They tweak it in regards to rebalancing it either yearly, quarterly, or bi-yearly. Um, whereas the S&P, again, 500 is, I believe it's weighted. So, again, when one stock kind of runs up, they just let that stock keep going up. And I'm not 100% sure if they rebalance it at December 31st or what. Mm. But again, the companies that keep trading their ETFs, that they have a high expense ratio. So what an expense ratio is, is you're paying the company that created the fund to manage it. And the percentage is 
an annual percentage based on how much you have invested. So a lot of the times they try to make it easy by say using the amount of 10,000. So they'll use $10,000 and show how much of the expenses your $10,000 would be paying every year. So you find if it's, if again, if it's like 0 0.10, then it's, um, it's a hundred, I believe it'll be about a hundred dollars or yeah, about a hundred dollars a year that you'd be paying in fees at, mm -hmm. uh, at 10%. So even that, I would look at a low expense fund and that's why I say use the spider index because those are usually the lowest. Those are usually like 2%, maybe even 3% because they don't trade consistently as the other funds try to beat the S&P 500. So you find they're trading again, either monthly, quarterly or biannually to try to beat the market. Um, so then if, okay, so if I go on TD Ameritrade, right, and I, I look, like I sign up, and then I look for the S&P 500 on their website? Yeah, under ETFs. So again, they would have a section for ETFs, and they even have like a research section where it would give you all the information on the ETF, like the... Um, 10 most, um, the highest shares for particular companies that that ETF has and their fees and how it's performed over a year, um, three months, one month, year to date. Mm -hmm. so, so you can kind of compare apples to apples, as I would kind of call it. Mm -hmm. And what is ETF again? electronically traded fund. Oh, okay. okay. So it's managed more by a computer than it is by a human being. They call um, they also call it passive investing. Okay. So am I when I go on um like T D Ameritrade, am I and I look into the SP five hundred and I say, okay, I'm gonna take a thousand dollars and put it into this. Now Am I within that 500 picking anything or they're doing everything for me? Within they're that doing everything for you. Okay. That's why so that's then, the easiest way to go for a beginner. Because again, a beginner doesn't know, does he want a big company, small company, what companies are good, what companies are bad. So right. again, the S&P 500 is the 500 most... Um, popular type of stocks i i, I would have to say Those and so where does this where does the spider come in within that sp 500 it's just the name of the company that created it it's oh based through like the actual stock exchange themselves so the stock exchange themselves again created this fund so you'll if you really stop paying attention and researching stocks you'll hear, oh, this stock is coming off the um, S&P 500 or the Dow Jones because either it got bought, they got merged, or its price dropped so low 
that they no longer consider it um, a type of stock that should be on that exchange. I see. But if I'm, if I'm just going to invest in SP 500 and, and the Ameritrade is going to do everything for me, then why do I have to worry about spider? Spider is the, is, is the benchmark. It's just like saying, okay, the federal reserve is given 3% interest. If bank of America is given 1% interest, why would you go to bank of America? You're going to mm -hmm. try to find a bank that's given 3% interest. Mm -hmm. So the spider creates this, this fund that they every morning say the S and P went down a hundred dollars. So TD Ameritrade can't come out and say, Oh, the TD Ameritrade fund went down $100 because everybody's going to be like, what do we care? The spider is the benchmark, just like the Dow. So people freaking out when they hear the stock market drop 2,000 points, it's the Dow Jones. So again, it'd be the spider Dow Jones because gotcha. the spider takes all the companies in the Dow Jones and creates this portfolio or benchmark that everyone tries to beat. Right, right, gotcha. So then, okay, if I'm doing the SP 500 and I'm investing $1,000, does a share matter? Like how they say you can buy shares. Like, is that what I'm doing in the SP 500? You're buying a share of the fund, yeah. Okay, so my $1,000 is just right, one you're not share buying one now. Company. In the fund itself, not in the, just one company. Right. So that's right. why I say for beginners, they don't have to worry if they hear the market went down a thousand points because the S&P 500 might only go down 300 points. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So just if, so, okay, now with this S&P 500, can you do a hundred dollars into something like that? You can do any amount that, and that's why I say they, they can let it build up. They can start out with probably 50 bucks mm -hmm. and every week, every month, every year, keep adding to it. But again, so it can what they at, like, okay, so I, I invest a thousand dollars into that today. Like what, what am I looking at it every day, every week? How there would be no reason to. That's that's my point. You 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 you're basically using it as an account to build up equity or mm -hmm. capital. Oh, that's okay. why I say you start out that way. So it's like a bank account, but again, it's a bank account that you hope performs better than your bank account. So mm -hmm. you hope again, just like how the market went up fifty percent. You again, you hope the S and P goes up maybe fifteen twenty percent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, your bank account's not going to give you a 20% interest, but the S&P, again, with the appreciation of price, gave you a good interest rate. So again, after maybe two years or 18 months, if you keep putting in, again, $1,000 or $1,800, everyone's different. Once you kind of hit a particular level, then you might want to be like, oh, yeah, I was wanting to invest in Microsoft. So you could look and say, oh, well, I got 18000 or 20000 here in this um, 
S&P ETF. Let me take out five grand and invest it at Microsoft. But again, the ETF, as time goes on, is a safer bet. Because, yeah, you can invest in Microsoft. And again, just like how the market went down 2,000 points, Microsoft in one day could go down 20, 20, 20 points. Mm-hmm. So if you bought 100 shares, that's two grand you just lost off the, off the bat. Right. And so if, okay, now when you were saying the market can go up 50%, but the S&P might only go up 15 to 20%, is that because you're invested in these 500, like, as more a group? Right. Mm-hmm. right. You're, you're invested in more stocks that all okay. of them not going to go up 50% or even maybe 10% in one day. There are some stocks that might even go up a half a percent. So, so then how come, how come the stock exchange can go up when it isn't that made up of, of like, Hundreds of that or a thousand stocks. So how come that can go up fifty fifty percent? But my S and P five hundred wouldn't go up that much. Because again, when you hear the stock market, they're only basing it on thirty companies. All oh, right, right. That's true stock mean. market. The true stock market is over is about two thousand stocks. So even that, there is another benchmark called the Russell two thousand which takes the, the whole, I think it's the, if not the whole market, it takes, again, the top 2,000 stocks in order. So in other words, it lists all the stocks in order, and whatever the cutoff is at 2,000, those are the stocks they use as a benchmark. Gotcha. I see. So then also now, so I get it then. So when the stock exchange goes up, when we hear it, they're only basing it on like 30 stocks or whatever. But my S&P 500 that I'm investing in, that's 500 stocks. Correct. Right. So that's why there could be the big difference with how much it goes up. Okay, I get it. Or down. So again, just like how the Dow, the Dow Jones just went to say lost 30%, the S&P might have only lost 8%. Right. Again, right. it's 500 stocks and not all 500 may go down. Right, right. Okay, so then now if someone is doing the S&P and they feel more comfortable now so they made a little bit of money and like you were saying, they want to buy Microsoft, so now they're going into what is called shares, like Microsoft shares. Well, again, even the S&P has shares. So it's not nothing in particular. What they're doing is going into an individual stock, mm-hmm. which is more risky. Mm-hmm. And when I mean more risky, it's risky in the sense your money can lose value. Your money mm-hmm. would almost never hit zero. So anyone who who claims or cries, oh, I don't invest in the stock market because I'll lose all my money. That's almost not impossible because the federal government itself will never let the market drop to zero. That's the only way you can lose all your money. The The only, and again, the only way to lose all your money is for it to hit zero. 
even if it went down one cent, you still got value of one cent per all the shares you own. So in terms of saying Microsoft share, there is no difference between Microsoft share and the S&P 500 share. There's right. still ownership in a particular fund. Right. So, gotcha. Gotcha. so huh? No, I was just going to say it's just more risk invested in one than invested in 500. Right. It's funny because, um, so you know the Bitcoin, the one that I, that I bought, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's funny how you were saying. So it's gone down like mm, maybe 30%. So are you saying that it will never go to zero? Yeah. Oh, they won't, they won't allow that? It's not that they won't allow it. There's always going to be a buyer to a point. Mm -hmm. So again, even the last person that bought it, bought it for some type of value. Mm -hmm. So let's say a company had a hundred shares and you heard bad news on the company and you had bought your shares for, let's say a uh, a dollar. Other people that own it, which you might start selling. And again, they're just selling to get out. So someone, you know, puts this order in saying, okay, yeah, that's bad news. Let me capitalize. I'll buy anybody's share for 80 cents. Those that are willing to, again, those that don't care or have a specific price they want, they'll say, sell it at the market price. He offered 80 cents. He'll buy, he'll buy it up. Right. You still held on to yours because you figure, okay, things might turn around. I'm going to hold out as long as I can. The next day again, a little bit more bad news come out. More people get scared. He now offers, let's say, 40 cents. People who missed out on the 80, they kind of get nervous. They, again, put a market order in. And they stop selling off their shares down to 40 cents. Again, you hold on. You figure, oh, yeah, this news will tie over. They'll probably fix it. I believe in the company. I'm not going to sell. So, again, the next day now, um, a market opens. More people willing to sell. He now offers 15 cents. He buys up everybody's share who's willing to sell at 15 cents. Market closes again. Next day, you really realize, okay, the FBI is taking out evidence and stuff. Yeah, maybe this company really has some issues, and I don't think they'll recover. Let me myself sell too. So at first, you might say, well, okay, close that 15 cents. I'm not going to sell no lower than 14. So when the market opens up now, again, your trade for 14 cents didn't sell quickly or hasn't sold by 12 o'clock. So now you kind of get a little nervous and you're like, okay, yeah, I lost, you know, 70, 85 cents because it was at a dollar and 
Now it's down to 15, so I lost 85%. I'm willing to take anything and let me just recoup some of my money. So you put a market order in, and next thing you know, it sells for a penny. So again, you lost 99%. You didn't lose all your money. You got one cent for every share that you had. So now that you're out, you find again, they freeze the company. So they what? You might freeze the company stocks in terms of um, um, transactions. So you might scratch your head and be like, well, okay, who's the person that bought a whole bunch of shares or who was buying up all these shares? So let's say, you know, they show you a picture of this guy. He's now owner of, let's say, 30% of the company that he bought through everyone willing to sell. So again, unless the company goes bankrupt, and that's the only way it'll hit zero, is if it goes bankrupt, he actually hasn't lost any money. Because again, his shares are worth different range, different price ranges, but in all, he still has at least a one cent value. That if mm -hmm. the company did fix itself and turn itself around, he would probably make a killing on the market when people started buying back up the company. Cause again, he held on to all his shares or however amount he bought for one cent. Right. So but does that mean, people. but does that mean, so he has all those shares for different prices, right? But that doesn't stop the shares from continuing to go down. No, it doesn't. It mm -hmm. doesn't going down. But again, as I showed you, it hit one cent mm -hmm. and that's, it could stay at one cent for the rest of the rest of its existence. The reason why is he's like uh, the main holder. He's holding a large majority of the shares. Mm -hmm. so unless he sells it. And again, if he sells it, he's either going to sell it for a penny or two pennies. Mm -hmm. And if he sells it for two pennies, now the stock just double in price. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was saying. The only way he could actually lose money is if the company files for bankruptcy because mm -hmm. then the stocks are worthless. That's when they're right. zero. I see. But again, most stocks don't really file for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like at this day and age where you see like the stocks dropping because of everything that's going on, right? So how does somebody say they don't want to start in the S&P 500 and they want, because I don't know, I'm wondering, uh, is the way you make a significant amount of money now is by doing the individual stocks? Because say somebody's like, wow, the stock market is going down. You know, now's the time to invest. Is it really, even if they're a beginner, I know you say it's easy to do the S&P 500, but if somebody really wants to make a significant, I guess, amount, a return on their investment, should they do the individual stocks? The answer to the question would be yes. But my response to that question would be they need to be a mind reader. And if they were a mind reader, then again, they'd be so rich, they would be... Again, 
picking all the stock winners. Mm -hmm. That's just like people saying now, if people knew of this coronavirus, they would have sold way back in January and February and they would have made a killing. But everyone didn't realize this virus would have took the market the way it did. So mm -hmm. again, at least in the S&P 500, your losses are, are, are minimized or reduced. Whereas again, you could have invested in Boeing. Boeing was at 300 at one point before their plane fiasco. Mm -hmm. It's now down to 100 points. So again, 100? you got the stomach down to 100. Mm -hmm. So unless you have the stomach to say, well, okay, I don't mind losing $200, then go for it. Whereas again, the S&P won't go down as fast as Boeing mm -hmm. did in six months. Mm -hmm. I see. So basically, if you have the stomach to handle a loss, then take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As most financial people will tell you, if you can't sleep at night with what you purchased, then your stocks are not for you. So that's mm -hmm. why if you purchase the S&P, you shouldn't be worried because it's right. not going to, again, go down as fast as the smaller type of um, funds that are used for for in, for cal for goals. Oh, your sound is going out again. Huh? Your sound went out a little. Yeah, hold on. Hello? Can you hear me better? Nah, it's still kind of... I mean, I can hear you, but it's like... Yeah, a phone little... call came in and kicked out this whole volume thing. Oh, oh, oh. Hold on, let me... Oh, I think that's going to be better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's better. So, all right, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and she does stocks, too. Right? You there? Looks like you froze. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. She yep. was saying she was saying she read one of Warren Buffett's books, right? And in the book he said that um when you're investing, you should always invest in a stock that in a company that you use. So like if you're a target fan, then that should be a stock you would consider investing in. And he said that you should never invest in two of the same stock. So like you shouldn't do um, two retail, right? So Target and, um, and Walmart, I guess. I don't know if those, I don't, I don't even know if those are in the same category, but two of the same things like what do you think about that uh, and again 
that question is based on, again, the single stock investor. Right. Because right. In, in a question, someone asked him one time, and this is why I pushed the ETFs. They had asked him, because again, of his age, that if he dies, what would he tell his wife to do for investments or what? Yeah, for investments. What like what type of stocks would he tell her to invest in? And he said, I would tell her to invest in the S&P 500. He said that way, like, again, she don't have to worry about it. It's not going to have a greater loss. And at the same time, it, if it has a gain, it's going to have a smaller gain. But she, she would be less likely to lose her money putting it in the S&P 500. Right, right. Okay. That's why I tell all beginners, you start out that way until, again, you get comfortable. Then when you get comfortable, then, yeah, you can roll the dice. You can buy Uber. You can buy Lyft. You can buy Airbnb, TikTok, any of these companies coming out because hopefully, again, you've done research. You figured out how to read companies, how to know if companies are doing well or not well and so on. Um, so, again... His theory on buying companies you use or know is not bad either. Because I would tell people that too, to do like, again, the Coca-Cola, the Pepsi, the Walmart, the Target, the, the, the stuff they know about, the stuff they always use, Procter & Gamble, Johnson's & Johnson's. But again, you got to have the stomach saying, okay, I, I just bought Target. Now we got the corona and I'm hearing stores are closing early. I'm hearing less people are going to the stores. I'm hearing stores can't get supplies. Okay, I know with stocks, if a company don't make a profit, then people don't think the company's doing good. Now I'm losing money every day as the value goes down because, again, people are selling. Every night I'm checking. Every night I'm wondering, oh, when is going to go up? When is going to go up? Next thing you know, again, I get sick and get an ulcer. Right, right. Again, I knew the company was good, but I didn't know how to handle it when a contagion or virus or some some sort of bad news came out. I didn't know how to react. Right. So here I sell instead of me buying more because I figure, oh, the stock gonna go to zero or I'm gonna lose all my money. Because again, that's the explanation everybody uses is oh. The stock, the stock don't make me lose all my money. Let me sell. Okay, you go, you sell. Mm -hmm. Five months later, again, because the stock is super low, you're like, oh, no, this must not be a good time. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not going to invest. Then next thing you hear, okay, target prices six months later is now double what it was when you sold it. Now you're like, oh, all right, yeah, let me jump on the bandwagon. and They're doing real good again. Right. So jump in and only go up, let's say, another $3. So nine months later now, it hasn't gone. You haven't, the stock hasn't risen past the $3 that you made six, nine months ago. Now you're like, oh, if I would have only had invested or kept my shares way back when it was going down, I could have made $10, $15. So again, investing in single shares, is not is not for all the faint-hearted. Again, it's better to be safe sometimes than risk, because even with risk, doesn't mean you're gonna knock it out the park and be a millionaire. <laughs>
Right, right. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering also like, um, with, um, like where, okay. So somebody goes to invest, they put their money in or whatever, but how do they get educated? Like to become, you know, a better investor. Like, is there any books you read that helped you or like, I just watch a lot of financial channels. I, haven't really read any books per se, but I know if you Google like books Warren Buffett recommends or some of the top financial people that um, people listen to, a lot of them will say um, Peter Lynch. He was a mutual fund investor way back in the 80s who did real good. He wrote a book, Warren Buffett, I believe, has a book. Another guy who once called um, how the stock market was going to go down, then nobody believed him, and now he's on CNBC, Jim Cramer. He's wrote three, if not four books. Um, so, again, there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of videos. What most I guess podcasts, books- too. Now there's probably a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, a bunch of podcasts, too. But what most of them are going to tell you to do, or again, a lot of the good investors is you got to do your homework. So what when they mean do your homework, you got to read the news on a company to see if, yeah, some bad news is truly bad news or if it's just talk. Um, is the company doing things to keep earning money or if they're just stagnant and not using their cash reserves. So again, you got to be familiar with the ba- how to read a balance sheet. Um, th- there is a little bit of work into buying stocks. Right. Do I do a lot of that work? No, not really. I don't really study too much of the balance sheet and so on. I kind of take the Warren Buffett stance on investing in companies that I believe are good companies and that, again, I don't see disappearing because Mm -hmm. companies, would I make a killing? The answer is no, because, again, they're such good companies, they're going to increase in value slowly. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes it's the bad companies that you would make a lot more money on because, again, they're a riskier type company because one minute they're making money and then the next minute they're partially losing money right? because bad management or bad investments on their side. So, so would you recommend like, okay, if somebody put a hundred dollars into the S and P and you know, it doubled to $200, do you tell them like, okay, well take out your hundred that you initially put and then just see what happens next. At least they're really not losing anything at that point. Right. They made back and, Jim, and Jim Cramer, he has a saying for that. His saying is you're playing with the house money because yeah, your hundred dollars just now doubled. So if you take out your hundred, you're playing with again, the house money. So, again, you should be more at ease 
if it goes up or down because it's not necessarily the money you put in. You already took that back out. Mm -hmm. When I watch the show, he always talks about that when people like call in and they say, oh, um, the stock's gone up 40 percent. You know, should I leave? Should I leave my money where it is or should I add more? Or should I take some off the table? Sometimes he'll be like, you know, from his research, it looks like the company might just be flatlined for a few months. So he'll say something like, you know, take 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 your money off the table and le- and play with the house money. So he'll say, leave your profits there, play with that, and take your your money back and look to possibly put it into something else or even keep it. And if the stock price goes down uh, some some percentage and you're comfortable with it, throw back your money back in. You'll buy more shares mm. than you had again previously because you took your money out when it was pretty high. Right. But if you really think again that that decline in the country, you should have no problem reinvesting what you took out to watch it grow even more again. Right. Right. You know, ever since you and I have been talking about this accredited an investor, like, um, I don't know if you could do a quick explanation of what that is. Uh, it's just for individuals that have a high net worth. That would be the easiest way for me to explain it. And again, most of the general public probably probably 30% of the population wouldn't qualify because, again, you need a high net worth of, um, value or you need to have, make consistently, I think it's 200000 over a two-year period. So for two right. years straight, you have to make 200000 Now, I don't know if they mean... 200,000 before taxes or 200,000 after taxes. I haven't asked anybody that question, but that's the other uh, exception you you can use to to be considered a accredited investor. That's right. why accredited investors can invest in riskier volatile type of of investments because again, right. they got money they can lose. Right. But I re I think I don't know. Um I since we've been talking about it, I've been getting these like um sponsored um advertisement on social media. And like one of them is that guy from Shark Tank. Um I think Robert is his name. I forget. Um he is saying that now the law has changed somewhat where it's opened up to more people like this accredited investor. So my question is, so the advertisement is, oh, you can be an angel investor. And in order to do that, you can pay this yearly fee and we will include you in this group and we will send you like um, investment opportunities. So companies, startups that are looking for funding, they, meaning Robert, 
in his group will send you that, I guess, proposal. You will review it and decide if you want to be involved. Have you heard of these kind of things? And like, if so, is that a scam? No, it's not a scam because Obama during his term created more access for those that can't be considered accredited investors. But again, the type of investments that you have access to is still not the knock it out the park type of investment because what's happening is it's almost what they call, they call it crowdfunding. So again, it's almost like social media where here's a company, they need investors. They kind of believe that an accredited investor won't really invest in them per se because they have some sort of issues, either financial in terms of when you read their financial reports or the businesses could be partially sketchy or again, the business model or even the ideal is not an ideal that um, almost like Shark Tank that other people may not be able to copy or there's already to me too much competition that again, you're going to be at the bottom of the, of the pack, hopefully looking to move up. Right. So yeah, there's these companies that say, okay, you could pay us a small fee to join us. And whenever we kind of find a startup or real estate type investment or an IPO, because of our company and the size, we have enough people that we can say the company itself is an accreditor mm-hmm. and that everyone's a shareholder in this company. Right. So yeah, again, that's what it sounds company, like. Yes. The company is actually making the investment, not each in each individual person, because I actually joined a real estate one like that where they got properties all around the country and they also loan money to flippers or developers that can't get bank financing. And when the individuals pay back the mortgage or the loan, whatever percent the company charged them, I get a, I get a portion of that investment as dividends. Mm-hmm. And whenever if they go half and half with the developer in terms of buying the property, sometimes they'll do that too. Like the investor might be looking for like 30, 30, not 30, but maybe like 2 million. So what they'll probably tell the investor is, okay, we'll loan you the 2 million at a low interest rate. But at the same time, we want 30% of the property or 30% of the sale whenever you sell the property. So again, Mm -hmm. the investor might be like, ah, you know, I really need the money. They're the only ones going to loan to me. So he'll say, okay, I'll give you 30%. I'll give you, you know, I'll take the 2 million at 
4% because it's still cheaper than if I went somewhere else and they charged me 8 or 9 or 12. So, again, after he finish, finishes um, renovating the property and then he sells it, he gives them back the $2 million, And then we as a, comp- as, as, as a holder, we get the 30%, which, again, is divided amongst how many people are in this particular company. So just like last year, last year I did it, and I think, what, in a three-month period, I ended up getting close to $200 in dividends. Okay. Uh-huh. So, again, what bank's More than the me, bank. What bank's going to give me close to $200 on the type of money I invested? Because most banks are not even giving you 1% anymore. Right, right. So, like, I was just thinking, this is the last question I have for you. Like, okay. What's for a beginner? Would you suggest an investment group or would you stick with the SP 500? Both. Mm-hmm. Both. If they can find an investment group, again, that's how they'll learn. But at the same time, I would be, yeah, putting some money in the SP to build up capital on my end. Because, again, why hold it in a savings account? And then again, when I'm ready to invest, I'm like, oh, I missed the big appreciation in capital. So mm-hmm. again, yeah, I would say start out with, with your S&P, put it a thousand. If you find a investment group, also join that. Because again, they teach each other how to look and find stocks to invest in if it's a properly run investment group. Right. And the membership or cost is pretty cheap most clubs might just say it's a hundred dollars a month and again even with the investment club a lot of times they wait till they build up enough money to invest so again even with some investment clubs they might miss out on a good market swing where the market goes up pretty high because again they don't have too much cash sitting Mm -hmm. on the side or whatever and so this ingress, investment groups isn't like, you know, your cousin or your friend. Like, do they have to be accredited, these people? These no. Investment groups? Okay. They don't have to be accredited, but you would hope the group knows what they're doing. There are organizations that have investment um, groups or clubs. Um, I actually am part of one. It's called the um, NAIC. I can't remember what what the acronym stands for, but mm-hmm. the other term they use is better investments. Mm-hmm. And I started a club with them. They have the software. The software does all the accounting um, practice for the people in the group. All I got to do is plug the shares and plug in what they put in as um, their principal. Um mm-hmm value and then basically again i read a lot of the magazines and they give up a lot of magazines on how to again pick stocks and how to value certain industries because again not all industries are the same Mm -hmm. so again that's where the research come in because again insurance industries not like retail um Oil is not like, again, insurance or retail. 
every industry has its own niche that you have to learn how to read. Um, again, getting back to like Warren Buffett, the way he said he made his money was in textile because growing up, I, I think his father or somebody was into like a, the textile factory. So he learned how to understand the whole textile business and how it made its money, how it would lose its money. So again, he would kind of invest in companies that modernized their equipment pretty quickly, was always innovative in terms of, I guess, the style of clothing they might be getting ready to put out and, you know, how many stores they can get their, their products into. So because he knew of the textile factory, right. that's where he was making his money at the beginning. Right, right. But Makes sense. Textile is now done and gone. As people have been saying, has his time come because he hasn't made a move or nothing in probably, uh, prob uh, probably almost 10 years, kind of. He's been what do you mean? Like he hasn't sold any of his stocks, you're saying? He hasn't really bought into like Apple. For the longest, he wouldn't touch Apple. He just wouldn't do it. No matter how much the stock was going up, how popular things was, how much people can't. Because again, like he said, he didn't understand the company as a whole. Right. Oh, okay. Makes sense. He wasn't going to touch it. But right. again, he lost out on what? Two, maybe 300% of profits. Right. So by the time he finally bought into Apple, the the rush was over. I mean, right. he made some money, but he didn't make money hand over fist like he could have. And he right. said there was quite a few tech companies he missed out on because he couldn't understand how, would they still be around? Because right. again, but some tech companies never make money. They, they burn through money and you got to figure how are they building value. Right. But that makes sense in a sense like what you said. You don't want to be giving yourself an ulcer by an investment. So if you don't feel comfortable about it or understand it fully, it doesn't make sense to invest in that. So I could see that makes sense for, for him not understanding Apple and so not wanting to get into it at the moment. But no, this is good. All right. You got anything you want to add? That I didn't ask you? Mm -mm. No. Yeah. All right. No, I think this is useful. Someone will find it helpful, you know, listening on our conversation. So, all right. That's it then. Okay.